pulled out of the back of a blue Cadillac. Long, tall, and lean, white cowboy hat. Pulled up a stool at the bar, said I'm looking for Audrey. Took off his coat, lit up the smoke, stared into space, completely heartbroken. I said, why don't you have? He said, I'm looking for Audrey. Spine-tingling greetings, my wraiths. Hoping you all are having an awesome day so far. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers Podcast part of your day. Those tunes are courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey, who we just heard from last week. And that song may not sound familiar, the one that I just played. That is the one that is number one right now, Looking for Audrey. You guys, it is such a cool song, as you can hear. So find it on YouTube and listen to the whole song. And again, congrats on being number one, my friend. You're awesome. I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. The man, he's in a stagecoach being pulled by the horses. He's hungry and tired and has been traveling for weeks He's utterly exhausted. Up ahead, he sees a structure. Whew. He breathes a sigh of relief. Finally. He thinks to himself. A place where not only I can rest, but my horses too. Because if I'm tired, I can only imagine how tired my poor horses are feeling. That structure is the Wolf Creek Inn, a beautiful two-story classic revival style structure. The location? In the Sisiquiu Mountains in southern Oregon. Conveniently built in 1883 right along the Applegate Trail, making this inn an original place for early Oregon stagecoach pioneers that were making their way north. Applegate Trail This name may not be familiar to many, like the Oregon Trail. Applegate Trail was a much safer route to take for those who needed to get to where they needed to be and to avoid the very dangerous Oregon Trail. A trail where many often were attacked by Native Americans, robbed by thieves, many accidental shootings as well, and so many other dangers lie ahead, waiting in the shadows. It's believed that over 65,000 people have died on the Oregon Trail, a very deadly route indeed. But we have times changed. Today, I can hop into my car, drive 2,000 miles to my home in Colorado, getting there in just under two days. Not kidding. I have it down to a T, even by myself not having to drive back and forth with somebody. I will leave at 5 in the morning from North Carolina, And I will drive all day and into the night where I hit Arkansas, Oklahoma. And then the rest is easy the next day. So I usually hit at least 1,000 the first day, possibly 1,100. Then it's like, you know, not bad the next day. Back then, just to get from San Francisco to Portland was a grueling 16-day trip. 
And there were so many dangers that lie ahead, waiting for these ever so weary and dead tired travelers. So back then, when traveling and seeing the Wolf Creek Inn up ahead, it was a welcome sight. And guess what? It still is to this very day as well. In fact, this inn remains the oldest continuously operated inn in the Pacific Northwest. Today, weary travelers can take a quick exit off of Interstate 5 and enjoy a hike, a nice meal, and a place to rest their head. With its history and connection with the Applegate Trail, Wolf Creek Inn has found itself on the National Register of Historical Locations. This fine establishment is now actually owned by the state of Oregon and run by Oregon Parks and Recreation. It's small and cozy, only having nine rooms, so if you do plan on coming over for a stay, I would definitely recommend calling in advance and reserving a room. So, as we know, this is a location that was built with intentions on being a stagecoach stop. The man to make this dream come to a reality was a farmer and penchant pioneer named Henry Smith. Nearby, a plaque reads, Early traveler accommodations between 1846 and 1856. The Applegate Trail through Josephine County became a major travel corridor for settlers, miners, freighters, and those trekking between Oregon and California, where the well-traveled route crossed the valley of Wolf Creek, a settlement gathered. By 1855, Six-Bit House, the first hostel on the outskirts of this community, catered to the weary, hungry, and thirsty. The proprietors offered dinner or a bed or breakfast for two bits, or 25 cents each all three for six bits or 75 cents, equivalent to $24.24 today. Long lines of mules, often driven by Mexican vaqueros, hauled freight over the hills of southern Oregon to the mining camps. In 1855, James Toogood and McDonough Harkness erected Leyland Creek House at Grave Creek. The table will always be furnished with the best the country affords, and the bar with the choicest liqueurs and cigars they advertised. Henry Smith established a hostel at Wolf Creek in 1870, variously known as Six-Bit House Number no. 2, or Wolf Creek House. In 1883, Smith constructed the Wolf Creek Tavern to serve local stage travelers and railroad passengers. Cowboys often came through, and they needed a place to rest, just like everybody else, but oftentimes they could not afford a room. There was a cowboy special, if you will, where for a dime, they could stay in the inn's attic. And there was one catch, though. The attic was not fully floored at that time. So, in order to avoid from falling through the ceilings, cowboys had to jam their spurs into the rafters. And you can still see those spot marks today. Just a neat little piece of history right there, if you ask me. Henry was a large landholder and held deep to his farmer roots. He would plant several orchards, in fact, 
North of the inn's dining area is a beautiful orchard full with pear and apple trees planted by Henry Smith himself back in 1885. Those babies are 137 years old. Long ago, there was a rather large wolf population in these here mountains, hence the name Wolf Creek, often roaming the forest that surrounds the inn. The staff at the inn knew this, so even though there was an outhouse not far from the inn itself, guests who came to stay were provided with chamber pots as a substitute for the bathroom, as at night it was extremely dangerous to go outside, as it was very possible you may just come face to face with a wolf. In that case, you would probably no longer need a chamber pot nor an outhouse as you would probably soil yourself right there and you would need a new clean pair of pants. But, you know, times they have changed and the last documented sighting of a wolf in this area goes way back from 1956. Not to say they're still not out there. As Wolf Creek sold and changed owners throughout the years, improvements and renovations were often made. But you better believe that to this very day, it's as authentic as it possibly can be. It even has the original floors and the bricks. And, yep, even a few bullet holes. Nice decor right there. Some time ago, the reception area used to be home to a gorgeous old wooden gentleman's bar. But right before the state took control of this historic inn, some thief took it. To this day, the scoundrel's never been identified, which is a bummer. Just like, you know, a little piece of history right there, taken. Visitors who've stayed here include John Wayne, one of my favorite fellas, Orson Welles, Anthony Hopkins, Clark Gable, Carol Lombard, Mary Pickford, President Rutherford Hayes, Sinclair Lewis, and the author Jack London. It is here that London completed his novel Valley Over the Moon. He absolutely adored this area and the inn, and it was one of his favorite places to visit. He would often hike and walk the paths that surrounded Wolf Creek Inn. He is, in fact, Wolf Creek Inn's most famous spirit who remains here after death. But more on that in just a short while. What attracted Clark Gable to this area was the fish. Boy, did he enjoy fishing at the nearby Rogue River. The Duke, he would stay here while filming Rooster Cogburn back in 1973. And the cast of Gunsmoke would stay here as it proved to be a very convenient location. Filming set was just a short three miles away. This inn has long since been rumored to be haunted. Several different spirits call Wolf Creek Inn their eternal home. Wander over to the inn's parlor and you just may come face to face with the spirit of a woman. Many reported seeing her apparition here. The man, he sits at the table. He's hard at work writing what he believes will be one of his best books yet. He stops, looks out the window, and smiles. Just looking at the trees surrounding the inn, a place he long since enjoyed coming to, makes him smile. This is his happy place. He looks down at his masterpiece and continues writing. Never all in their travels had Saxon seen so lovely a vista 
as the one that greeted them when they emerged. The dim trail lay like a rambling shadow cast on the soft forest floor by the great redwoods and overarching oaks. It seemed as if all local varieties of trees and vines had conspired to leave the leafy roof. Jack London, a man who became one of the first American authors to ever become an international celebrity, well, that's no easy feat. Many people have reported seeing the beloved author's full-bodied apparition here at Wolf Creek Inn. Investigators have actually caught his voice during investigations. Talk about some incredible EVPs. The property manager shared that at times he would hear a woman speaking, but when this would happen, no one would be there. He would always be alone. You always think it's a little kid singing kind of playing around. People have seen her in a window. There's a room here called the Clark Gable Room, and there's a spirit who spends much of her time here. This particular spirit is believed to be the daughter of a former owner, and she's very friendly, mind you. She is quite content with her home. Oftentimes, people have heard her sing. People have also caught her voice on recorder as well. One past guest shared that a while back they had come for a visit with their mother and they both heard footsteps coming from an area that at the time was not being used due to construction. The inn was so active that at one point they seeked help from two mediums. They came to investigate and their findings showed that Room 8 proved to be the most active and that the spirits who were there shared with the mediums that they were quite happy here, that they liked that Wolf Creek Inn was being well taken care of. Now it's believed that some of the past innkeepers, owners, and employees remain here after death. And that, that would make sense why the spirits would be happy that this location was being taken care of because it was something that was special to them when they were alive. Other spirits include an elderly gentleman who's been seen by guests and staff alike wandering about the inn, often walking right past people in the hallway. A little girl spends time here, often enjoying taking candy from guests. While in the kitchen, employees often report that at times, while they're busy prepping or cooking or just working, that they will often feel someone brush up against them. Kitchen staff also share that there's a specific pan that's been known to fly right across the room. There's so much going on in this sweet, cozy little inn. People have reported doors open and slamming shut on their own. In the parlor on the main floor sits a beautiful piano. Many times when no one is around, that piano has been known to play all by itself. Perhaps it's the spirit of the woman I mentioned earlier who spends much of her time in there. Chairs, they'll often rock and move all on their own, and at times even levitate. Items will disappear Furniture rearranges itself during the night. Objects on tables have been known to vanish and later will reappear in a completely different location. 
things on shelves will suddenly be thrown. People have heard taps, knocks, screaming, whispering, and even gargle-like sounds. For the most part, it seems that the spirits who call Wolf Creek Inn home, they're friendly. There's one entity here, however, that is a bit on the creepy side. Haven't heard of any attacks or anything like that, but this one is often referred to as the Vampire of Wolf Creek Inn. A possible shapeshifter, when seen, people describe this thing as having large fangs with blood around the mouth, giving a rather eerie vampiric appearance. Often walking around the inn, people, staff, and guests have seen this particular eerie entity. Now, long ago, it is said that a stagecoach driver died here. This was a special case, as the stagecoach was a woman. Now, this was incredibly rare and frowned upon. Being a stagecoach driver often proved to be extremely risky, dangerous, and sometimes fatal. This woman pretended to be a man in order to do such a dangerous job. Her apparition has been seen on the main floor. Her voice has been caught on recording several times. Now, many believe this to be none other than Charlotte Parkhurst, known as One-Eyed Charlie or Six-Horse Charlie. After Charlie's death, this article came out. He was, in his day, one of the most dexterous and celebrated of the famous California drivers, ranking with Foss, Hank Monk, and George Gordon. And it was an honor to be striven for to occupy the spare end of the driver's seat when the fearless Charlie Parkhurst held the reins of a four-six in hand. Last Sunday, December 28, 1879, in a little cabin on the Moss Ranch, about six miles from Watsonville, Charlie Parkhurst, the famous coachman, the fearless fighter, and the industrious farmer and expert woodman, died of the cancer on his tongue. He knew that death was approaching, but he did not relax the retinence of his later years, other than to express a few wishes as to certain things to be done at his death. Then, when the hands of the kind friends who had ministered to his dying wants came to lay out the body of the adventurous Argonaut, a discovery was made that was literally astounding. Charlie Parkhurst was a woman. Now, Charlie Parkhurst did not die in Wolf Creek Inn, but died in California. This is actually a few years before Wolf Creek Inn even existed. It wasn't even built at this time. So we know that this individual is not the stagecoach writer who died here at the end, but Parkhurst did travel through these parts many a time. So who knows? Maybe she is one of the spirits here. If so, I'm sure she is wishing that this joint was around during her reign as a writer. But hey, she'll take what she can get now and stay here in death. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others. They are all pretty awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry. You can binge listen right now by hitting up any of those fantastic podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Radio Public. Basically, wherever you may roam to listen to your other phantomly amazing podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background.
This week's special city shout-outs go to Bayfield, Wisconsin, Bureauville, Rhode Island, Hiram, Georgia, Rawlings, Wyoming, and Harrogate, England. Thanks a million, guys. I am truly grateful for each and every single one of you. Would you like to be featured on a future episode? Share some spine-tingling accounts of your very own. Perhaps you would like to be a voiceover, or maybe you have a local haunt or other eerie idea for an episode. Or I've had a few people say they would love to share stuff, but they're just too shy. You could stay anonymous. I could use a voice changer, or you could write it down and I could read it for you. Please don't hesitate. I love hearing from people. You can find me on Twitter at Paraprowlers, on Facebook on my Paranormal Prowlers podcast page, or email me at paraprowl at gmail.com. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next week.